you folks, it's been a few years, but as some of you know, my name is Tom Hoyle with Bible and Science Ministries, and we'll say some more about what we do and why we do it and where we do it and how we do it and that kind of thing at the beginning of the worship service. We do want to go ahead and get started now, and who knows, I might finish in time for q and I'm not quite sure. This particular program, I've tried very hard to keep it to 45 minutes, but it is a big subject. And uh, we hope, though, to go ahead and look at the tip of the proverbial iceberg of this subject, all right? Before we start, though, we should pray, shouldn't we? So if you would, let's bow our heads, please, and talk to our Creator. Our God, we thank you so much for this church. We thank you for its testimony. We thank you for its people. We thank you for its leadership. And we pray for blessings upon our time together as we look at your word and your world, and I'll both point to you. And we thank you for this in the name of our Lord and Savior and Creator, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I was saying, we'll say some more introductory stuff at the beginning of the worship service. For right now, we just want to go ahead and jump right in, okay? Uh, before we do, though, I was asked to say a word about the resources, and I can appreciate that. It can be very confusing looking at all those titles. Uh, we do bring the books and discs for two reasons. Number one, many of the titles are hard to get. Some of them are out of print. And then secondly, uh, of course, we discount everything. Some of those items are less than half price because I buy them in very, very large quantities. Regarding our subject, in Sunday school, we'll be discussing the Bible and science confront crisis climate change. And then during the worship service, we'll be talking about the Word of God. We'll be looking at seven excellent reasons for trusting in the Bible. As far as Sunday school is concerned, I wish every Christian family had a copy of this book here, Why Scientists Disagree About Global Warming. I think it is terrific. Written by three PhDs who will tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. My favorite book on climate change, and I have read 43 of them, it's this one right here, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Global Warming. <laughs> there are 24 Politically incorrect guides in print. I make available eight of them. They're very conservative. They're God-honoring, believe it or not. And this one here is packed full of documented evidence. And at the same time, it's really quite witty. So you can see why I enjoy it so much. And then as far as the DVDs are concerned, my favorite on this subject, and simply called Global Warming. And then, by the way, speaking of climate change, it all deals with our favorite planet, Earth, doesn't it? The Call of the Cosmos is my favorite creation astronomy DVD, and it talks all about the miracle of the planet Earth and our fascinating universe. Hey, so much for all that. Again, we appreciate your being with us. Can we go ahead and have the lights, please? By the way, how many of us old people remember that image there? Yeah, some of us go back that far. By the way, folks, I've got good news. I'm not speaking on tithing. Why do I say that? This is a, a family-friendly place. You can move up if you want, all right? And you'll be able to see the slides, especially the captions, a lot better, all right? So, okay, some of you are going to the head of the class. The rest of you are thinking, I should not be moved. <laughs> But uh, as I was saying, I mean, we've got great $10 seats up front here, and uh, you probably will be able to see a lot better, especially reading certain captions, okay? All right, let's go ahead and kill all... <laughs> I love it. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah, let's go ahead and kill all the slides. Uh, lights, please. You don't need to see me, just the slides. Uh, yeah, uh, turn them all off, please. Yep, that'd be great. And then how about these bad boys here? Oh, okay, they need to cool down. Gotcha, all right. Okay, hey, this is excellent. Okay, I like this setup. Thank you. And I want to thank the men who were so helpful this morning, too. All right, folks, let's just jump right in here. I served in the Air Force Reserve for 35 years, and one of the things I kept hounding my junior officers about was be ready. Well, if you're in God's spiritual army, after you've become a born-again Christian, guess what? We need to be ready too. Specifically, in this case, be ready always to give an answer to every man. With that in mind, this morning, let's briefly look at the Bible and science confront crisis climate change, and we will define what that means in just a minute, okay? Let's this morning look at the why, the what, the who, the where, the when, and the how of climate change, okay? Starting with 
why? Beginning specifically with why in church? Why would your church have this geek speak today? Glad you asked, folks. For many years, people have been asking me to put, a, put together a program about this subject, and I resisted because, number one, I didn't have the time to do it, and number two, I didn't see the relevance. Boy, was I wrong, wrong, wrong. And the only good news for me, in 2020, over half my speaking engagements were canceled, but the good news is I suddenly had seven months to work on this program. So that's why we have it now, and it's turned out to be uh, very popular, much to my astonishment. Okay, eight reasons why this is important and why we're talking about this in church. Eight relevances regarding crisis climate change. First of all, thanks to crisis climate change, we've got creation eclipsing the creator, don't we? In violation of Romans chapter 1. We also have environmentalism eclipsing evangelism. I'm seeing that more and more. Uh, a few years ago, I was speaking at a large Christian university, got on campus. They had all kinds of banners and posters. But folks, guess what? All of it was about saving the whale, saving the earth. There wasn't a single thing on the entire Christian campus about saving souls. There's something wrong there, folks, don't you think? And then, folks, we find that crisis climate change is eclipsing moral issues. Uh, a while back, I was at Costco, and a lady came up to me and uh, recognized me, and we started talking, and I felt a little bit at ease to go ahead and be a little bit blunt with her. She mentioned who she had voted for in the last election. I was stunned. I said, ma'am, you do realize this person supports partial birth abortions. And she said, oh, that's awful, but it's true. I know that. Okay, you do know this, this, and this, right, about this candidate. Oh, yes, all that's very bad. Why on earth did you vote for this person? You know what she said? I voted for this person because somebody has to save the planet. Folks, we're going to see we can't save this planet, but we can help save the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Crisis climate change also eclipses good stewardship of time, talent, and treasure. It eclipses prophetic issues, as in Genesis 8, and we will go into more detail on all of this later. We find that it can be a catalyst for one world control, courtesy of the UN. We find that its emphasis, and we're seeing this already, aren't we? It's harming the poor, here at home and abroad. And we find that the emphasis is generating great fear. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. Don't get me wrong, please, all right? I have nothing against basic light green environmentalism. What do I mean by that? Nobody wants to breathe polluted air, do they? Nobody wants to drink polluted water, right? Indeed, I lived in L.A. for several years, the 1970s. This is what the city looked like. That's the kind of air I got to breathe. Thanks to catalytic converters LA has cleaned up its act, although it now has new problems, doesn't it? But you know what? Aristotle, he said that error is oftentimes truth taken to an extreme. And that's what we have, in my humble opinion, regarding environmentalism. People have taken environmentalism way too far to what I call extreme environmentalism, which includes crisis climate change. And by the way, in this program, sometimes you'll see a key on a slide. That means it's a key point. If you are taking notes, that might be something that would be worthy of writing down, okay? Well, we've looked a little bit at why we're talking about this in church. Why is crisis climate change a key issue at all? Glad you asked. Let's talk about definitions now, okay? Crisis climate change, abbreviated CCC, or crisis climate change or climatology is up against natural climate change in CC. Crisis climate change, and I got this definition from several of their websites, okay? Crisis climate change, we're told, involves temperatures are increasing greatly due to Earth's greenhouse gases increasing, which retains solar heat. Man, we are told, that means you, Man is overwhelmingly responsible, we're told, mainly due to his additional output of CO2 greenhouse gas, carbon dioxide. 
This situation, we are told, it is serious, it is urgent, it is imminent, and it's irreversible. And we are told billions must be spent now to save the earth. And by the way, folks, I regret we can't be getting political in this program, but I think some of you are already connecting the dots, aren't you? (laughs) Now, crisis climate change, or climatology, CCC, is up against natural climate change, NCC, and it makes four opposite points. Temperatures have temporarily increased moderately. Nature is overwhelmingly responsible mainly due to solar activity as well as what's called terrestrial variabilities, etc., etc. More later. This is not quite so serious, urgent, imminent, or irreversible. And billions cannot and will not save the earth, but can help provide clean water and electricity to the third world, for example. Folks, in short, whoops, in short, folks, when people ask me about this, I personally believe, based upon the Bible and science, I believe that climate change is a naturally occurring cyclical event over which people have very little control. And many, many scientists actually agree with this, although you never think it by reading the paper. Do you know the world's greatest atmospheric physicist, the number one field studying climate change, Dr. Fred Singer, he was not spoken critic of crisis climate change. He said, for example, the earth is warming, but physical evidence around the world tells us that human emitted CO2 has played a major role. Is that what he said? What do you say, folks? Minor. Minor role. Ooh, that's not what the paper says. Instead, he says, the warming seems to be part of a what? Natural climate cycle. We're going to see, folks, there is no 97% consensus or majority of scientists in favor of crisis climate change. The percentage is far smaller than that. We're going to see that carbon dioxide is not a dangerous pollution. We're going to see that thanks to space-based sensors, we now can more reliably tell the temperature of the Earth. And it has not risen nearly as much as we're told, and it's not going to rise much more. And as a result, the sea surface has not risen dramatically, and we don't think it will rise much more than that. More about that later. But you might be asking, why do so many people believe in crisis climate change if the Bible and science are against it? Glad you asked. Folks, I've discovered nine possible motivations that people might have for believing in crisis climate change, and of course, some might believe in more than one of these. First of all, there are proper reasons. I mean by that, there are people, maybe some of you, you've honestly looked at the evidence in the newspaper or heard it on the news, and you've concluded that the world is practically going to end. You've got proper and sincere and noble reasons for believing in that. I understand, I disagree, but I can understand where somebody's coming from, all right? Secondly, some of these same people are looking for a purpose in life. They need meaning in their life. They need a cause to fight for, and crisis climate change provides that purpose in life, okay? Then, The biggest reason I've seen, by far, it's peer pressure. I have spoken to many scientists about this, folks. And you know what? I almost always hear from them, I can't prove the world is ending. I can't prove crisis climate change. But I know it's true because other scientists have proven it. (laughs) Well, what happens, folks, it becomes scientific musical chairs. Everybody assumes somebody else has proven it. It reminds me of the creation versus evolution debate. They're assuming somebody else has proven it. I was speaking to, and he's a Christian, a nuclear physicist. I was stunned at his panic. He says, Tom, I'm hoping to perfect fusion-powered electricity within 10 years before the world is doomed. I said, my friend, don't panic so much. He said, but all the literature says so. I said, no, it doesn't. And he was totally ignorant, totally ignorant of the evidence against crisis climate change. Then there are pious reasons. Here in the Northwest, we have an awful lot of our New Age friends. We have a lot of Wiccans 
and other folks, and they're huge on protecting the Mother Earth, Gaia, from pollution, okay? Now, the next five reasons aren't very noble reasons. Crisis climate change has propelled various individuals into notoriety, to prominence. Crisis climate change is great for publicity in the press. Folks, make no mistake, you probably figured this out. For the media folks, bad news makes for good ratings, doesn't it? The media loves, loves, loves bad news. They love wars and catastrophes and crime and scandals, and they absolutely love crisis climate change. And then, folks, there's a matter of power. Many politicians have used crisis climate change as a cause to convince people that you've got to vote for them so they can save the planet. And then their political reasons are socialist friends who hate capitalists love to beat capitalists over the head with crisis climate change. They're saying, you dirty, rotten capitalists are destroying the planet. So they're using their, their attack against crisis climate change, folks, uh, to beat, once again, the capitalists over the head. All right. Anyway, and then finally, there's profit. Wow. A publisher told me one time, if you want to make a lot of money, write a book about climate change, make it as scary as possible, and you'll make lots of money. Folks, in short, I personally believe, and I'll bet most of you agree with me, our number one goal is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and after that, live for him, right? And press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And guess what? Things start to fall in place after that, don't they? Well, we better move on, though. For the sake of time, we now turn to the what of crisis climate change. Folks, crisis climate change it zero ends, zeroes in, it focuses upon mainly global warming, which they blame on people producing too much carbon dioxide, mainly, which they think is warming up the earth too much. Well, what about CO2, carbon dioxide? Man, does it get picked on a lot, folks. First of all, there is hardly any carbon dioxide in Earth's atmosphere, did you know that? Here's a breakdown of our atmosphere, Look at this, at the bottom is carbon dioxide. It's not 40% of our atmosphere, or 4%, or 0.4%, it's 0.042%. That's hardly anything. It's a whiff, folks. But boy, is it getting blamed for stuff. By the way, those figures and everything else in this program, unless otherwise stated, I deliberately, for the sake of argument, got from their sources. So nobody can argue with these numbers, folks, because I'm getting it from their side, okay? When you dig, dig deep into their information, their own information contradicts what they're saying. Folks, we contend that Earth's climate is based upon all sorts of factors, not just a whiff of carbon dioxide. It's based mainly upon solar cycles. Very big deal. It's based upon what's called orbital perturbations and variations in the Earth's axis. It's based upon cosmic radiation, etc., etc. So, folks, we can't be oversimplifying our climate and just boiling it down to carbon dioxide. That is silly. The number one factor, though, seems to be the sun. And what amazes me, folks, I've read many books on crisis climate change from their side. They almost always completely ignore the sun. How can you ignore the sun, folks? It's really big, and it's really hot, and it's really bright. And they almost totally ignore it. I'm very grateful to various people, including two German physicists, PhDs, and four uh, collaborators, who wrote the book, The Neglected Sun. This book, it's a big book, it's semi-technical. It's got 1,300 footnotes. These guys document everything. And they prove the sun is by far the number one player in climate change. This book is ignored by anybody who's against natural climate change. One of the authors said, 
The critical cause of global temperature change has been carbon dioxide. Is that what he said? Sun's activity, man's carbon emissions bear little significance upon climate reality. I mean, folks, once again, let's get real. What do you think is going to be the major player? A whiff of carbon dioxide or the full electromagnetic fury of a thermonuclear hydrogen fusion powered G2 yellow star, the sun? A second thought about carbon dioxide. As Martha Stewart would say, it's a good thing. Carbon dioxide levels have risen somewhat, not very much at all, but they have risen somewhat. And guess what? Farmers tell us that they're getting bumper crops. All right, temperatures have risen slightly, and as a result of photosynthesis, we've got more crops and good news. The rainforests are partially coming back again. But they don't mention that, do they? But don't take my word for it. Dr. Patrick Moore was a founder of Greenpeace. He was the head of Canada Greenpeace. When he finished looking at all the facts, he was stunned to find out how wrong, wrong, wrong he had been. He now is America's number one opponent of crisis climate change. He's an expert on photosynthesis because he has a PhD in botany. Among other things, Patrick Moore says, the whole climate crisis is not only what? Fake news. It's fake science. And in fact, carbon dioxide is a main building block of life. Wow, they're not saying that in the newspapers, are they? Well, unfortunately, he and many, many, many of his colleagues, we'll meet them in a minute, they're up against two very powerful, well-funded entities. The first one is the United Nations Climate Panel, the IPCC, and then secondly, Al Gore's Climate Reality Project. As far as the UN is concerned, Washington State's own Donald Easterbrook, PhD, geophysicist, he warns us that climate change is being used as a lever to try to push for a world government. Folks, almost every article you read in the newspaper about climate change has got the UN's climate panel mouthing off. And they're trying to get more and more power using climate change as the excuse. But folks, it turns out mixing politics with pseudoscience and getting crisis climate change, especially in the UN, the US, and the UK, it's not a good thing. Fortunately, somebody let the cat out of the bag. It was called Climate Gate Scandals 1 and 2. Somebody at this British think tank leaked thousands of confidential emails between UN climate people and their counterparts around the world. These emails shocked everybody, including Greenpeace. The emails were full of reckless and ruthless tactics. They were full of reckless and ruthless statements and strategy against anybody who dares to disagree with them. Folks, when I share this with my crisis climatology people, my friends, about this, they go, well, you don't understand, Tom. These people are trying to save the world. And if they've got to get reckless and ruthless, well, that's too bad. Folks, it's not good to be reckless or ruthless, is it? And you know what, once again, we can't save the earth. But once again, we can do something about saving the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. As you can imagine, climate gate scandals one and two were atom bombs in Britain, which is why the British people are much less apt to fall for crisis climate change than their American counterparts. Did these scandals get much press in America? Very little. I hardly know anybody who's heard about these scandals, folks, because unfortunately, the American media loves crisis climate change. <laughs> no wonder, folks, so many experts, including these 48 PhDs, these 48 experts on climate, not only are they against crisis climate change in general, they are adamantly against the UN Climate Panel in particular. 
In fact, some of these 48 experts used to be associated with the UN Climate Panel. And like Dr. Moore, they, you might say, came to Jesus. They realized the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I know I'm going through these fast, but folks, I doubt anybody here wants me to read all 48 of these, right? But you get the idea, right? A lot of people, folks, are in support of natural climate change, not crisis climate change, and a lot of people are against the shenanigans of the UN's crisis climate panel. Their numbers are increasing all the time, but you wouldn't know it reading the newspaper, would you? How many here, by the way, have heard about the code red? The UN climate panel is declaring a code red. All right, they're scaring everybody to death and saying, you've got to start doing something about this because the earth is doomed. Folks, you can lose no sleep at all over this, trust me. <laughs> no wonder God's word tells us, be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves when it comes to misinformation, especially from the UN climate panel. Well, third, let's move on to the who of crisis climate change. There is a widespread myth that 97%, 97% consensus or majority of scientists believe in crisis climatology. Folks, do you know you can trace that number all the way back to one single person? She's a liberal socialist historian <laughs> who favors crisis climatology and is supported by crisis climatology. So no big surprise, her results will be what? In favor of crisis climatology. <laughs> Experts like Tony Watts, who's a meteorologist, who knows a lot more about climate than she does, he and others will tell you her work is a statistical train wreck. <laughs> or how many have heard of Michael Crichton? ER, Jurassic Park, Andromeda Strain, the guy's a genius, okay? He studied this and wrote a fascinating techno-thriller about crisis climate change called State of Fear, he concluded the spurious claim of consensus is a way to what? Avoid debate by claiming the matter is already settled. Folks, the debate has barely started. But our crisis climate change friends are telling us, no, 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 the debate is over, no more discussion. We've got to spend over half a trillion dollars fighting climate change. <laughs> the fact is, once again, many experts on climate change are jumping ship. Their claims are exaggerated. Their experts are divided among themselves. Which brings me to the Global Warming Petition Project, also known as the Oregon Project. I won't read the entire statement. I'll just read the red here, okay? There is no convincing scientific evidence that human release of carbon dioxide or methane or other greenhouse gases is causing or will in the foreseeable future cause catastrophic heating of the Earth's atmosphere and disruption of Earth's climate. So in other words, this statement is in favor of natural climate change and is against crisis climate change. This statement has been mailed or emailed to thousands of American scientists. And these scientists were asked, if you agree with this statement, will you sign it, indicate your area of expertise, where you got your degrees, etc., and then we will publish it. Whoa. This is a democracy, so I'll let you decide. How many, so far, how many scientists have signed off on this statement against crisis climate change, all right? Against the UN climate panel. How many say A, 1,000? How many say B, 5,000? How many C, say 10,000? How many say D, 15,000? How many say E, none of the above? How many say F, I don't care? <laughs> How many say G, I don't know? <laughs> Well, folks, all I can tell you is after 10 years of college and graduate school, I've taken a zillion multiple choice tests. And I've discovered if I have no idea what the correct answer is, if it's available statistically, if it's offered, none of the above is the correct answer, which is 
It is here. Guess what? Drum roll, please. Oh, oh very good. Correct answer? 31,000 American scientists, medical doctors, individuals, all right, with advanced degrees. Uh, 11,000 have doctorates, the rest have master's degrees. 31,000 have signed off against this. Has this been in the newspaper? No. But you want to hear something sad, folks? I keep encouraging people who are qualified to read that statement and sign it, to sign it and turn it in. And you know what they tell me? Tom, I'll do it after I retire. And they can't take away my pension. People get fired for being against crisis climate change. Boy, that doesn't sound very democratic, does it? But you know what, folks? For the sake of argument, and I doubt it, but for the sake of argument, let's pretend for a minute the majority of scientists are in favor of crisis climate change. Is the majority ever wrong? Wow, I'll say it is. Historically, it's wrong a lot, isn't it? For example, the majority of doctors until the end of the 19th century believed in bloodletting. If you were sick, they commonly would bleed you, which killed a lot of people. Do you know, by the end of the century, most doctors had finally come around to believing in germ theory. Or, do you know, until the 20th century, most experts believed in phrenology, that they could determine your character and your intelligence by feeling your head. I know you laugh, folks. Majority of experts believe that. Do you know the majority of scientists doubted Einstein initially? I could go on and on. The majority is not always right, is it? But you know what? Who determines truth anyway? Is it by majority vote? No, folks. God determines the truth, doesn't he? It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks, does it? Well, let's get more specific. We turn to our friend Al Gore. Al Gore became worldwide famous and very, very wealthy with his blockbuster documentary, followed by a sequel in 2017, An Inconvenient Truth. Well, even his supporters admitted he was cherry-picking facts and putting a spin on them. And even environmentalists are telling us, and I'll let you read these quotations for the sake of time, even they were astonished at how sloppy his research was. But folks, the worst is yet to come. The British are coming. Stay tuned. Let's move on to another who's who, Dr. Bjorn Lomberg. Wow, Hollywood could not make up this guy. He's Danish. He was a card-carrying member of Greenpeace. He was a supporter of crisis climate change and wanted to save the earth. He wanted to write the ultimate book pushing that agenda. Instead, when he and his student volunteers crunched the numbers, whoa, this happens a lot. He dropped out of Greenpeace and has become Europe's number one champion against crisis climate change. And guess what he did? He wrote the ultimate book against extreme environmentalism and against crisis climate change. I'm still reading this book, folks. It's the size of a small Sears catalog. This book has 3,000 footnotes in it. This book has 2,700 bibliographic entries. The index alone is 10 pages long. It is a massive, well-documented book against extreme environmentalism. Compare it with books that are put up by our United Nations friends. These books are called dire predictions. These books have no footnotes. These books have no bibliography. Al Gore's two books, based upon his films, have no footnotes, no bibliography, no table of contents, and no index. You are expected to read these books and believe everything they say. You're supposed to trust everything they say. No documentation is provided. And if you disagree with them, you're a horrible person. <laughs> Dr. Bjorn Lomberg, he crunched the numbers, folks. He proved statistically that despite our best efforts, wind turbines, solar cells are not cost effective. 
He proves conclusively that man is not the primary agent responsible for crisis climate change. He said, for example, the worse that they can portray the environment, the easier it is for them to convince us to spend what? More money on the environment rather than on important things. He has a real burden for helping poor people with their electric bills, with electrical power plants overseas and clean water. Many, many agree with him, including Freeman Dyson. Who is he? He is considered to be the successor of Albert Einstein. Before he died last year, he became a creation scientist, but all along, he was a fire-breathing opponent of crisis climate change. <laughs> he said, among other things, the idea that global warming is the most important problem facing the world is what? Total nonsense. And it's doing a lot of harm. However, it is great propaganda. But moving on, finally, folks, we turn to you and me. According to God's word, if you're a born-again Christian, we're to be salt and light in these end times, aren't we? Sharing the good news of salvation, the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, next, we come to where. The material on this program is based upon my research and my visits to meteorology sections of natural history museums like these. And for our first stop, folks, we're going to go to Houston, Texas, where they have a wonderful weather museum, very unique, almost one of a kind. I went to that museum, and I met Jane, the meteorologist. Actually, Jane wasn't her name, and that's not Jane. I went to the museum. I was shocked to find out nothing in the museum was about crisis, climate change, or global warming. I asked one of the receptionists about this. They got very nervous and said, would you like to speak to our meteorologist here? with us right now. I said, well, that'd be terrific. I made, made an appointment. Jane, again, not her real name, told me she'd answer all my questions, but I could not take her picture and I could not use her name or any specifics about her background. Why? She told me already two of her friends had been fired for doubting crisis climate change. They have to lay low, folks. She told me that she was one of two dozen recent graduates from a major university's meteorology department. She said after they got their degrees, and it couldn't be taken away, they voted how many of them believed in crisis climate change. You guess what? I was shocked. She said nobody. Nobody graduating from that program believed in crisis climate change anymore. Wow. By the way, she told me that top experts on crisis climate change would be meteorologists and atmospheric physicists. Well, I found out how many of these believe in crisis climate change and how many don't. How many think that 20% of these experts don't believe in crisis climate change, they believe in natural climate change? How many believe A, 20%? How about B, 40%? How about C, 60%? How about D, 80%? How about E, 100%? Well, folks, once again, my experience, if none of the above is not available, the second to the last option is usually the correct one. 80% of the experts reject crisis climate change. Now, is that stunning or what? By the way, folks, I played devil's advocate the entire time so she would give me honest answers when I told her I agreed with her 100%, she was very relieved. But you know what the sad news is? This museum has now closed. They can't get funding because they're not politically correct. Second stop, merry old England. A Scottish truck driver was irritated. His two teenagers were being required to watch Al Gore's film. He wanted waivers for his kids. He couldn't get them. Folks... He went all the way up to their version of the U.S. Supreme Court. <laughs> he sued the British government. He took on the Ministry of Education. You talk about David versus Goliath. Now, their version of the Supreme Court, I understand, is very liberal. They always vote for the government, and they almost always vote for liberal causes. At the end of a two-month-long trial... 
that court ruled that Al Gore's film was not about political, I mean, uh, uh, physical science, it was about political science. They ruled that Al Gore's film was political propaganda. He never got the waivers because guess what? The court ruled Al Gore's film could no longer be mandatory viewing in Britain by students. If it was shown in a classroom, it had to be presented as a political film, not a scientific film. And equal refutation time had to be made available. Wow. The senior justice said science is used by this man in the hands of a talented politician and communicator to make a what? Political statement and to make what? Support a political program. Wow. They blasted his film to pieces, folks. And guess what? Another atom bomb in England, in America. I have not met a single American, even a scientist, who's heard of this case. The American media almost totally ignored it and looked the other way. That is really, really sad, folks. I take that back. I met one guy who didn't know about the case, but that's because he bought a book about the subject from me and learned about it that way. 35 different flaws have been found in Al Gore's film. The British court ruled on nine of them. Uh, for the sake of time, here are the four key ones. The court ruled Al Gore's claim about rising sea surface was wrong. The court ruled his claims about extreme weather, especially hurricanes, were wrong. The court ruled that his claims about polar bears were wrong. And they ruled Al Gore's claims about carbon dioxide gas were wrong, especially the famous hockey stick graph. The hockey stick graph has become the world's most famous graph put up by the UN, mainly Dr. Mann. It purports to show relationship between man and rising temperatures. The hockey stick graph, folks, has been now rejected by the National Academy of Sciences and the UN itself has rejected it because the truth has come out about it. But folks, I regret to inform you, almost everything in Al Gore's film is nevertheless being taught as a fact in most American schools. In fact, his film is still being shown in most American schools, including the hockey stick graph that's been rejected by most scientists. There's something wrong with this picture, folks, don't you? Third stop, the great state of Montana. We could share an entire program about the fascinating subject of ice. <laughs> ice in glaciers, sea ice, polar ice caps. But may I give you a representative example of what we're talking about? How many have been to Glacier National Park in Montana? Is that a great place or what? Well, folks, when I was there with my wife on a speaking tour, we were told by everybody, doom and gloom. The glaciers are melting. It's your fault. They will be gone by the year 2020. Nowhere were we told that the glaciers had been melting already since 1850. Why had they been melting since 1850? Nobody was driving cars during the Civil War. There were no electrical power plants, right? Folks, the earth was warming up on its own despite man. And guess what, folks? I've talked to several people about this who've been to the park last year. They tell me the glaciers are still there. <laughs> They've not melted away. So what's the response of the national park people? They've arbitrarily changed the dates on their signs from 2020 to 2030. <laughs> I would not lose any sleep over this, folks. I'm reminded, folks, indeed, from God's word, come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Next, we turn to the win of crisis climate change. Folks, everywhere we go, we hear about doomsday deadlines. They say plural because they keep changing the dates, folks. They keep changing the goalposts. For example, the former governor of California, a.k.a. Conan the Barbarian, a.k.a. the Terminator tells us, I say the debate is over. We know the science, we see the threat, 
the time for action is now. I'm sorry, Conan, I don't think so. Dr. Moore knows a lot more about this than you do. Dr. Moore tells us there is no scientific proof of this hypothesis, crisis climate change, yet we are told the debate is over and the science is settled. My crisis climate change friends, though, keep talking about computer models that prove their point. I have two nephews who are computer programmers. They tell me this is totally bogus. They tell me computers are not crystal balls. They tell me you can get a computer model to do anything you want. This expert admitted global warming climate models are like what? Computerized tinker toys with which one can construct any outcome he chooses. <laughs> well, second thought, second time out regarding this. Global, what? Oh, this, this must be a misprint. Global cooling? How can that be? Well, folks, we're going to travel back in time to a very scary period in American history. The golden age of polyester. The 1970s. Very scary time. Some of us remember that, don't we? I confess, folks, I had a tan-colored leisure suit. I did. But in my defense, I did not get the one my friend had. He had a lime green leisure suit. <laughs> Looked like a leprechaun. Folks, I remember very vividly, maybe you do too, for about 15 years, all the scientists were telling us the debate is over, the science is settled, we're all going to freeze to death, and it's your fault. Do you know some of those same scientists today are still around, and they're now telling us the science is settled, the debate is over, we're all going to burn up. They've got to make up their minds, folks. In short, 1930s to 50s, People are talking about global warming. 60s and 70s, global cooling. 80s and 90s, back to global warming. Now, folks, this is really shrewd. This is really smart. At the turn of the century, the 21st century, folks, they concluded we can't box ourselves into a corner. We're simply going to use the term climate change, and that way, no matter what the temperature goes or does, we'll be okay. Our third timeout, Folks, guess what? Mother Nature is going to do her thing. They do not talk about this in any of the climate change books I've read. Do you know that during the time of Christ, the world got hot, hot, hot? How could it get so hot? Romans weren't driving cars, were they? They were driving chariots. There were no electrical power plants, but it got hot. Then it got cold. Mother Nature decided time to cool off. Man had nothing to do with it. And then, folks, if you're keeping notes, this slide gets two keys. If you want to really frustrate somebody about this, you bring up the medieval warm period. During the time of the Crusaders, the earth got hot, hot, hot. Again, so hot, Greenland was green, and that's how it got, it, it's got its name. <laughs> People had nothing to do with it, folks. The crusaders were not driving trucks, were they? Then things got cold again. It's called the Little Ice Age. And then finally today, starting in the mid-19th century, things got warmed up again. Frankly, folks, nature goes up, nature goes down. Just hang on for the ride. There's very little you can do about it, folks. The medieval warm period in particular. Well, for a final time out, our crisis climate change folks are predicting imminently, irreversibly, the end of the world, and it's your fault, and my fault. This is called anthropogenic climate change. They are half right. Did you know that? They're half right. The world's going to burn up, but people will have nothing to do with it. It's going to be theogenic climate change. According to God's word, the Lord is going to come again, and the Lord is going to fix things, isn't he? And among other things, the, the world's going to get burned up by the Lord, and he's going to remake it, isn't he? Last, not least, and oh yes, we've got to go here. How should we respond? Two things, please, and we can have Q&A in between the sessions if you want. First of all, God's word tells us, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit 
after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Folks, when it comes to the press, when it comes to the media, whether it's TV or radio or the newspaper, wow, you've got to turn on the baloney meter. You have to actively think about what they're saying and what they're not saying. Can I give you two examples? Number one, how many times have you heard or read climate scientists warn or blame blah, 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 blah? Happens all the time. Two things, number one, who are these climate scientists? What are their credentials? And secondly, how many are we talking about? Do you know that they can interview just two scientists and then claim climate scientists plural? Fact of the matter is, we got a ton of people like this Nobel Prize winning physicist, Ivor Giever, who says crisis climatology is what? A non-problem, it's ridiculous, it's all wet, it's dead wrong, and it's a new religion. Whoa, is he big? <laughs> Secondly, how many times have you heard or read, blah, 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 hottest or worst on record? Two questions to ask about this, number one, Whose record are we talking about? If it's the UN's record, forget about it. Don't trust it, okay? Secondly, how far back does the record go? Do you know they almost never tell you that? Let me give you an example. How many here have heard 2020 was the worst year so far in Washington State for wildfires? On record, woo, scary. They're partly right. If the record only goes to World War II. <laughs> I checked, folks, I checked personally with the Department of Resources. 1910 was the worst year in Washington state history for wildfires. How can that be? We didn't have millions of cars on the road in 1910. We had a few thousand model, uh, uh, model uh, uh, T's. I almost said model A's or model T's. Virtually no power plants. Obviously, People weren't the reason Washington State got so hot in 1910 and why the forests were burning down. Second thought, how should we respond? Well, folks, I say be saved. And most of us have done that, right? Man's chief problem is not carbon dioxide, it is sin, <laughs> right? And the good news is, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We hope and pray all of us here know the Lord, the Creator, as Savior, and we're living for Him, and our purpose in life is to live for Christ. Our goal in life is to save the world for Him, so, save souls, and be responsible regarding earth. But that's not our chief problem, is it? Can we have the lights, please? It is 20 after, so I guess we need to wrap things up here. But again, I'd be happy to talk with you afterwards uh, if you have any questions or comments. Uh, we thank you so much for coming. Look forward to being with you for the second service as we look at the Word of God and look at seven excellent reasons for trusting the Bible. Having said all that, let's close in prayer. Let's go ahead and bow our heads, please, and talk to our Creator. Our God, we thank you that your Word is always true. We thank you that your Word tells us how to live and most of all, how to get saved. And we hope and pray all of us here are obeying your Word by accepting Christ as Savior and after that, living for Him. And we pray for your services to come after this one. And in the meantime, we pray for our country. We pray regarding this climate change scandal and the difficulty it's causing. And we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen.